Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Welcome, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew. We are back tasting some homebrews again. This is the final Dr. Homebrew of the year, which I'm pretty excited about. 2020 is going right down the drain, man. Yeah, bye-bye, 2020. <laughs> I know. It was pretty good. You can't, you can't really have that much fun in one year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So 2021 is going to be... Shouldn't be allowed uh, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were living the dream. We have Brian Shar and Brian Cooper here, of course. Welcome, boys. Be- good to Present. see you guys again. Hello. Hello. And uh, we're here to talk homebrew. But before we do that, I want to thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Five Star Chemicals, keeping your brewery safe and clean from any sort of nasty bugs and nonsense that you might leave around. You know, if you're not cleaning properly or whatever, uh, use PBW, use Star Sand. They're going to get you through basically any brew day that you can uh, that you can. I don't know, have? Yeah, yeah. Any brew that you can have, man, they're going to... Anything that you can screw up or any piece of dirt or mung you can leave behind, PBW and uh, Star Sand will get you through it. So uh, check them out, 5starchemicals.com. They support this show. Uh, they love homebrewers in general. So uh, why don't you go be a part of their family and start using their products today? Yeah, there you go. You can do that. Uh, we're joined by Patrick again. Patrick, what's going on, man? Welcome back, young Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And you sent us uh, a Doppelbach. Is that right? That's what I have that right. Okay. It is. Nice. Yes. Is this your first round of Doppelbachs ever? It, it is, yeah. So I, uh, like last year, got into brewing lagers um, and have just been kind of working my way through. I, I've got a, a Meritzen I really like and a Pilsner. Um, and with it, you know, getting into winter in Michigan, figured, you know, something 9% or so would <laughs> would bode well so yeah <laughs> figured i'd take a stab at this but yeah it's my first my first try and, and uh haven't had a lot of commercial examples um which is why i wanted to send it off to you guys and, and get some feedback perfect yeah I, it's it is sort of hard to find doppelbach commercially and then when you do it's yeah. i think it's sort of like the one-off beers at the random truck stop brew pub that just doesn't really <laughs> understand it it's like well it's supposed to be syrupy and weird right so here it is here's the doppelbach yo you want it in a liter glass okay is and, that an uh, Oakley yeah. thing that you have, like a brew pub at a truck stop that yeah, I haven't seen? Oakley is, is, is known as the town of truck stops. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Actually, we have like a thousand gas stations, so it does feel like a truck stop town. <laughs> it's but real yeah, weird. If you ever are at a truck stop and you see a, a beer bottle with a little goat hanging off of it, mm-hmm. you know, grab that guy. <laughs> yeah. A white goat. <laughs> uh, that's the yeah the celebrator is uh, you know the, the, every once in a while you'll see the salvator but a lot of times the optimator is the most uh, the, the Paul Honor version is is pretty present that's the one that pretty easily okay but um, yeah they all have different various optimators a little darker some will go a little lighter uh, you know like uh, celebrators a little more reddish kind of brown yeah. and uh, but yeah all tasty in their own way and they, they tend to travel fairly well for beers coming that far yeah hmm. um, you know because they're nice and strong and they can they can you don't want to necessarily age them but you can get away with a little more abuse than you would with a you know something lighter <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, english bitter coming across the sea <laughs> uh, uh, yeah no <laughs> no not at all uh all right well let's just excuse me let's just jump into this beer here uh why don't we just have brian shar go first 
Just because right. we don't have enough, uh, quite a big enough pool to jump into the beer, but uh, <laughs> we got a little bit here. I'll I'll try. Just dump I'll it on your head. the Guinness <laughs> Book of Records to jump into this. <laughs> yeah, this, so is, this is from the Winter Brews Fest 2014. This is now a Warner so, Brothers commercial yeah. or cartoon. It's a you nice. know, Looney Tunes. This might so, be from the same, but it's worn off. <laughs> those listening can't see what we're holding up here. Hopefully, hopefully the I, Facebook audience is, is yeah. enjoying us. Yeah, I think this was the year that Justin was giving them away because he ordered so many. And if you were like anywhere nearby, you could just give anyway. So, Patrick, last time you were on, you talked about your homebrew club. Uh, and for people that may not, may not be listening to that show right before this one, are you in a homebrew club? I am. So I'm in the Brusquitos here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Excellent. Grand Rapids was so much fun at NHC, and hopefully we'll be again someday. How, uh, how so, warm is it in Grand Rapids right now? Uh, we got our first decent snow last night, um, and then it warmed oh, wow. up and got sloppy, so it's in the 30s. Oh, wow. That's like balmy for Michigan. <laughs> yeah, go outside in shorts and a t-shirt. Cool. De- yeah, definitely shorts and t-shirt weather. So uh, I liked your Doppelbach. Now, this is a challenging style to brew because it's got a lot of fermentables, uh, and I'll be curious to hear about your fermentation and how you dealt with that uh, a little later. Uh, the bottles are maybe slightly low fill, but not a big deal. No points off for that. Uh, aroma, I was surprised that um, there's kind of a low aroma overall. Uh, low to medium malt kind of comes up as it warms. Uh, I didn't get caramel initially, but as it warmed up, I definitely got caramel. And kind of coming back to this, now I opened the second bottle thinking there might be some bottle variation. I'm getting a little more malt out of this bottle, but it might be that I've let it sit out in my kitchen for an hour. And that's probably why it's maybe a little more, little more aromatic. Uh, we, were, we were kind of wondering, we're thinking earlier whether that caramel might be malt or diacetyl. And frankly, it's kind of on the border because it is almost a butterscotch but again, that's when we talk about your process, it'll be maybe a little bit easier to pinpoint that. Sometimes I have a, you know, I have like a normal sensitivity to diacetyl. I'm not super sensitive or to it or blind to it. But sometimes because it is you know, butterscotchy caramelly, sometimes it can kind of hide where you're expecting like a little bit of a caramel character. Uh, no hop aroma, no roast aroma, no toast or that, that uh, dark bread crust. And gave it a six out of out of twelve. There, there were no aside from potentially diacetyl. There are no off off aromas. Uh, appearance two out of three. Uh, it was crystal clear, uh, medium brown slash dark copper with orange highlights. But there was really no head in either bottle uh, from pouring. If there was any head, it was extremely short lasting. It was very short and, and did not last long. So that's why I knocked a point off of the three to a two uh, flavor. Initially, the flavor is malty at a low level with low alcohol flavor that follows. The second bottle, the first bottle, I had a lot of perceived alcohol, not in terms, maybe not a lot. I had like a low to medium amount of perceived alcohol in terms of flavor, uh, not just warming. Uh, And it wasn't fusel, right? It was kind of a, a sweet ethanol that you get when you're sometimes when you're brewing a high gravity beer you will get that kind of ethanol sweetness, which, which is fine. Yeah, there's a little bit of that ethanol here in the flavor of this one. It's, it's fine for this style. Uh, low bitterness comes up mid-palate, uh, but the balance all the way through uh, to the finish is, is, or is tilted toward malt. Uh, no hop flavor. 
uh, it's very well attenuated. Um, I'm not getting off flavors, again, other than possibly diacetyl, uh, but it, it's missing that kind of rich malt slash mylard characteristic that you really want from a, from a Doppelbach. Uh, and I'm wondering, again, I look at the overall impression. I gave it 10 out of 20 for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel, five out of five, you know, low to medium warming, low carbonation and body, creamy, no astringency. Overall impression, I gave it six out of 10 for a total of 29. Uh, I thought it was a well-made beer with no huge flaws. If there is diacetyl to me, it's, it, it's not one of those things where it's so bad it overwhelms the beer. It's something that you can maybe pick out if you're sensitive to it, but even then I'm not entirely sure that it's there. Uh, it does miss the mark on the big rich malt character, which is really the hallmark of this style. Uh, because I get warming, I wonder if somehow, you know, the fermentables just all fermented out. Uh, and we'll, we'll chat later. I, you know, if you mash, uh, you know, mash higher, try to mash more like a, a, a 155 or something. So you have, you know, maybe a few more unfermentables to give it some body. If you have time and patience and lost your will to live, you can decoct. Um, maybe you did decoct this. You can triple decoct if you're feeling really suicidal. Uh, but uh, that's, I, I later on when we discuss this, I think we can kind of, I think I'm pretty confident we'll be able to hone in on you know, how you can you know, do a few things different next time. But again, at 29 out of 50, it's still very, it's still, it's still good. I nice. would, I still am sitting here drinking this while we're <laughs> talking about it. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. All right, Cooper, let's do All it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I tasted a colder sample just now too. And it came across more like what uh, what Char just was describing uh, to me, and um, but as it warms up, it changes. And I've got I brought the the first bottle that I just judged a little while ago out as well, and it's a, a fair amount warmer. I put it back in the fridge briefly, but it's 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 warmer. And I'm probably gonna uh, well, I'll comment a little bit about each. They're they're very similar. I think it's the the difference. It's not a bottle variation. It's just the difference in the um, the temperature of the beer. Um, so in the nose, uh, when I when I first poured it, I got a, a, a light, fairly light butter butterscotch like aroma, yeah. um, with uh, just a moderate light diacetyl, and it was uh, up front in the warmer sample, distracting from uh, some of the other elements. Uh, but the maltiness is firm. Otherwise, um, there's no hops here, as there shouldn't. It shouldn't it's not a hoppy beer by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a, a fair hint of alcohol comes through. It's not not sharp or, or, or harsh, uh, no obvious esters here. It seems like the lagering was, was fairly well done. Um, and I'm getting a somewhat, I'm getting more of a toasty element than, than, uh, Brian is, uh, but it's not, it's not super strong. There's some faint, faint kind of Maillard byproducts in there and a little toastiness. Um, you know, so there's some complexity here. The colder sample, it's harder to get at that complexity as well. So it's a balancing act between when it's a little warmer, it's easier for me to get that that buttery-like character, but then uh, you, you lose some of the richness when you serve it too cold. Um, it's actually a fairly pretty beer. It's, it's a rich uh, amber color with good clarity, uh, a little bit of haze, uh, but um, yeah, it had a, has a low light tan head that's kind of you know easily roused and it, it's it kind of rings the glass and 
at least sells to a kind of striations on the top of the beer there. Um, mostly finer bubbles. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I gave it a two for appearance. Likewise, just a little bit of haze and, and it, it, it shouldn't, you know, necessarily have a massive head that stays forever because of the alcohol you have here. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, could be improved a little bit with the, especially the, the clarity and, um, in the flavor, um, so yeah, when I got to the flavor, I got a little less of the, what I perceived as the butterscotch. And then I started second guessing myself and thinking, is that more of a caramelly like thing? So we're kind of, you know, it, sometimes it's hard to, to get at that and you're, you have to know your, your perceptions. And some people like Brian said are more, uh, uh able to taste diacetyl than others. Some can't taste it at all. Lucky them. <laughs> they can drink crappy beer all day. Yeah. They should be home. Uh, no, but this is not a, not a crappy beer at all, but by any stretch of imagination, uh, pleasant maltiness in the flavor with less of that butteriness. There's still a little butterscotchy impression in the background, especially in the aftertaste. Uh, it just comes through a little bit, but the alcohol, uh, so alcohol in here is a little bit prickly. It comes through medium high. Um, balances definitely to the malt. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to pour some of the first sample in with this. Now this seems cold. I think that's the second one. We need to feel the feel the bottles here. This is the warmer one. I put the cap back on it. I'm just going. <laughs> Are you going to mix your own blend? Because oh, that's, that's totally your Top thing. Top it off here. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to up, up the. It's the Solera yeah. Doppelbach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's a do-it-yourself. We're, we're, we're not in Brussels here, Brian. Okay, this is not Cantillon. Yeah, mm. I'm not. But it could not be. not enjoying the beer. It's it's mm. actually quite tasty. So, um, finishes kind of semi-sweet. Uh, there's there's not much uh, dark fruit character in here to speak of, or it's kind of obscured by the light defect that's there. Um, I'm getting just a faint, lightly buttered toast in the aftertaste. Um, you know, I gave it a 12 out of 20 for, for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel-wise, medium full body with medium low carbonation, uh, some moderate warmth, no astringency here, a bit, tiny bit of slickness on the tongue, I thought. That's hard for me to get, though. I, I don't really get diacetylized slickness. I just get it as, as butter and the nose and the flavor. Yeah, same. But it, does, it, yeah. it does have a little... A little smoothie? Well, we'll ask JP what he gets there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not, not really harsh or biting it's not sharp uh but yeah it's um you know comes through pretty full it could could go fuller too it's uh but yeah that that alcohol warmth is is pretty apparent (laughs) um seems like a good you know overall a good recipe going here a good base and uh you know especially for your first time making one of these i know how hard they are to make um if you just remove that little uh diacetyl component and um, I think that, you know, it's hmm. – <laughs> if you dried it out a little bit, I'm debating my own thoughts yeah, here. But which, if you dri- dried it out a little bit more and took away just a bit of that, that semi-sweetness that's in there, it might let the toasty quality shine through a little bit more. Yeah, that might be a good way to go. Um, seems like you have a very nice recipe and otherwise, you know, good ingredients, the quality and the selections of what you put into it. Um and, you know, I think also in the, in the second one, it came through as more, a little more chocolatey than toasty. There was a little bit of a, cho- a hint of chocolate in there to me uh, when it was a little colder, but it's, I'm still getting it now as it's, I mixed the warmer with the colder. Um, I landed at a 30 on this beer. It's, uh, you know, I would call it low, low end of very good. It's, it's a drinkable beer. 
um, is not that quite pretty- to the classic style, but it's it's hard to get there. Yeah, unless yeah. you do like, you know, the, the triple decoction won't hurt. But maybe maybe you did. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's a fun process. I've never actually decided to take one on myself. I've I've, I've observed at times, and you you know. Get, get a team of buddies together to stir that hot boiling uh, uh, mash, you know. the Yeah, that doesn't thick, sound like thickest fun. third of the mash. Yeah. You, you, and wear thick, heavy gloves if you do it. <laughs> Just be real careful to protect yourself. You don't want a glop of that on your arm. But, uh, yeah, this See, is a, it's a very a drinkable uh, okay. duffel box and just could use a little bit of cleaning up and uh, – yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting there. I was getting a lot of stuff you guys were getting. When I first opened it, I, I smelled – sour but it went away i don't i I don't i didn't it it gave it like five minutes and um and i i didn't get it anymore i don't taste it i don't smell it anymore but there was like a definite like oh i think this is gonna be gonna be bad but it it's you know just to clarify again it's not there i i thought that uh, a lot of those those maillard those toasty those like toffee flavors i think those were maybe a little too too present for me in in this but i haven't had a doppelbach in so long i don't really you know i don't really know i think there's i don't i have no idea i have no idea what way it should be but well it could also be you know when you have have a commercial example and it has traveled that far and been sitting that long it does tend to meld the flavors tend to meld together a little bit more and yeah. you get less of that rich toasty rich malty and more of a rounded kind of smooth maltiness. And that's the thing to remember with with tasting these beers from overseas is that they've been aged for a month in the hot whatever. Patrick, uh, when did you brew this? Uh, this was brewed. Let me switch to my notes here real quick. Um, this was brewed like the middle of October. Oh, gosh. Okay. Wow. So really like two and a half months ago. recently. So this one wound up, I, I wound up rushing this to packaging a little bit to get to you guys. I would have probably lagered it a bit longer okay. um, and ordinarily would do like gelatin fining and that kind of stuff, but um, <laughs> wanted to get it out the door. Um, so uh, it's the fee- the feedback is, is actually really helpful. I, I appreciate that. Darn those Dr. Homebrew guys rushing your beer today. Send us your beer now. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Oh, I do cool. like it. I I think I think it's. Um, you know, let's go through the recipe. I guess that's the next step. Yeah. let's do that first. Yeah, for sure. So, um, used our our standard water here uh, in Grand Rapids, which is uh, straight out of Lake Michigan. Um, did add a little bit of calcium carbonate and some baking soda to both the mash and the sparge, um, and I can I can pull up kind of the targets there, but. I was basically targeting kind of a, you know, typical German, um, uh, water profile. Um, as far as the malts go, uh, eight pounds, about nine ounces of Munich, uh, seven, well, eight pounds of Pilsner, um, a pound and nine ounces of Kara Munich, uh, five and a half ounces of aromatic, uh, and then, uh, just shy of an ounce each of black patent and chocolate. Um, and those were all wiremen where I could get wiremen in the particular variety and then, uh, you know, uh, briefs for the other. And then, uh, at 60 minutes, uh, 60 grams of Tetanang and 13 grams of Hallertau and no other, no other hops. 
Um, as far as the yeast goes, this was actually my first time doing a lager with dry yeast. Um, I wasn't able to get down to my local homebrew store with all of the COVID stuff. So I was able to order, um, and I, I've gotten, when I've ordered uh, liquid yeast, it tends to come in really old. <laughs> um, so I figured I rather than do that, I would go with the, with the dried yeast. Um, so I did three packages of the SAF uh, Lager 3470 and just did a quick Vitality starter um, with some chilled wort. And then when that was kind of doing its thing, um, pitched it at that point. That's the nice thing about dry yeast. You can add about as much as you want. It's not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, well, it's not like cheap, smacking, right? It's cheap, compared, yeah. compared to the others, yeah. it's like, you know, I could put yeah. 600 billion cells in easily for, you know, 15 bucks or whatever. Wow. Way to brag, sure. Patrick. Yep. Jeez. Nice. Um, so what do we think about his recipe? Everything is fine. I like it. Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah, like, it's yeah, pretty there's, good. there's not too much of the, the chocolate and, or, or the, you know, um, especially malts you could you could play around with the balance there but i thought the the little chocolatey level there is nice and, and yeah, this like is too. what a, a younger version of the double bock is going to taste like it's going to come across a little sharper and less less rounded less melded together kind of so I, I i suspect this will be a nice one to to sit on for a while what's the if age? you did have to rush it out and, it, and you got a little um diacetyl because of that you know there may be some ways you could clean that up but mm-hmm. it's hard <laughs> What's the That's age what was, on, a, on, a, on a Doppelbach? How long should we wait to age them? Like, what would have been a perfect amount of time for this beer? You want, you'd, you can lager it at least a few months, you can, and you can let it go longer and, and let it lager in the keg, too, if you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just pull it off into the keg. It's, it's lagering now, too, kind of. Yeah. It, you didn't pull all the yeast out of there with your, you know, you mm-hmm. didn't find it, so it's still sitting there on, on some of the yeast, and there's always going to be a little bit anyway. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Patrick, did well, you say what your mash temperature? Doing, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I've been doing the forced diacetyl test uh, with my beers lately where I'll draw off a sample and put one in a warm water bath and one in the fridge, you know, covered up with um, saran wrap or whatever, hmm. and then chill it back down. And, and uh, actually the, the beer I've got fermenting right now, it's, it's pretty obvious where there's, you know, diacetyl precursors present. Um, and I honestly can't recall if I did that with this or not, but, um, definitely, you know, I, I've, I've tried the quick logger method, which I know JP is a huge fan of. Um, mm. but, uh, <laughs> it's, I, I tend to, when I've got enough beer in the draft system, um, I'll do a traditional logger. Um, and when I'm looking to fill kegs, I'll maybe bump the process a little bit. Um, mm. this one fell kind of to the, the ladder just cause I was trying to get it, get it through and get the fermenter freed up. Okay. Yeah. Pat, Patrick, yeah, did you tell us what your mash temperature was? Uh, so it was targeted for 156 for 45 minutes, and I just shy of that, so like 155 and a half. Okay. And did you decoct at all? I did not. Okay. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, nobody does. <laughs> no. I, I have a ten-year-old who's my assistant brewer, and so the <laughs> idea of him stirring boiling, you know, boiling grains. Um, that doesn't necessarily work. So <laughs> his, his mom might not be real keen on that either. I, I'd be the yeah. one cleaning up the kitchen after the fact. <laughs> so I'm not really yeah. into that either. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because that, that was my guess is maybe your mash temperature was too low, which is why this didn't, this was well attenuated, but didn't taste quite as malty. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I might've missed it. Were there some caramel malts in here? Were there any uh, I had some Caramunic in there. 
the caramel Munich, yeah, okay, because yeah. that could give you some of that caramelly like flavor too. Yeah, mm. but and if it is diacetyl or butterscotch, it's really light. It's it's not not uh, too distracting. Well, and the so, re- the reason um, I ask about how long this beer a beer like this should sit is is it sort of pointless for us to be judging it now and giving feedback on it when it should probably hang out for a couple months? Yeah. Are we being a too premature? Which at our age, it's probably easier to do. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to taste it the same one in another uh, another few months, but yeah, uh, I just too. opened the last bottle, so I can't do that. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, if if you you know uh, do another version of it where you lager it a little longer and uh, we don't rush it to send us your beer, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, and I also yeah. wonder, you know, the tip we're used to a, in home homebrew world having lagers that are typically like the white, like, like WLP 833. That's mm. the one, like Tasty loved that one. Uh, you know, it's a very popular lager yeast. We're kind of used to drinking lagers with some of the same, you know, some of the same top three or four lager yeasts, even though there's, you know, dozens of them to choose from. And I wonder if maybe this was just a really super efficient active yeast that broke down a lot of stuff, uh, maybe that you wouldn't have wanted it to. I, I'm just, I'm speculating. I'm trying to think of reasons why this is not richer. Uh, and I'm maybe using a, have you used that yeast before ever? I haven't. Um, I tend to use the, uh, um, the various Y yeast, yeah. German lager strains kind of, it's all use yeah. the Oktoberfest one for my Meritzen and, and, you know, a Pilsner one. Um, this actually finished around 1018. Um, and, oh. So it, it feels like it should have some body there. Um, but I, you know, as you guys are describing some of that, like the little bit of alcohol warming um, and maybe that sort of slickness at the end, I wonder if maybe that doesn't detract um, from the body a little bit. And a little bit of sweetness too. Yeah. And I also wonder if a little more, this is the carbonation on this is lower than I would like. Uh, and I wonder if a little bit of carbonation would make it maybe seem a little Oh, oh, give it some more body and flavor and character. You'll lift some of those flavors out that are just sitting down in there now. I think there's probably enough carbonation there, honestly. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. Again, could, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> it could, it could make it do. harsher and more, the toastiness could be more biting and the chocolate could be more uh, kind of astringent yeah. seeming, you know, if you yeah. went too crazy with that. A little bit, yeah. maybe, could try it. If it's in the keg, it's easy to try. <laughs> Yeah, but this is typically true. a low carbonation style, right? This is like a, like so many of the big heavy beers. This is not meant to be like brilliantly carb or like nope. super carbonated, high carbonation, you know, three right. volumes, whatever. And like a Coors Light right. level, dude, two point eight. Just <laughs> <laughs> it can go as high as moderate carbonation. You know, some mm-hmm. of the lower, yeah. the lower alcohol ones can get away with a little more, but the, the heavier hitters, you're not going to want to go crazy there. Yeah. So well, I got the the one kind of question I did have. So when I first tried this, the impression I got from it was much more like a quad. Like mm-hmm. I got a lot of that kind of plum raisin mm-hmm. character and not having a lot of commercial examples. And <clears throat> my wife and I were supposed to be in Germany this summer and then COVID. So not having had it in, you know, in the motherland um, to compare to, is that kind of the direction that like dark fruit kind of thing is that, is that does that fit with this style? Was that something that was sort of out of bounds? Those flavors will come out a little more from some of the Munich malts, and especially as as some of the other 
more uh, uh, fresh qualities of the beer age out, that you'll you'll probably find that that it gets much more pleasant after a few more months. And Got it. yeah, just keep it in that keg and and try it another month or two. But it is a nice beer to drink this time of year. So yeah, yeah. try it in fe- February or something. <laughs> we've, we've got months of cold weather. I've got uh, plenty of time. <laughs> and, and you temp control your loggers. You, you don't just put it in the garage or something. <laughs> no, no. Actually, the garage now is too cold for, for loggering. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, uh. No, it's uh, so I was doing I don't have it pulled up um, like high 40s, low 50s. Um, until I got about 80% attenuated, um, or to final gravity rather, and then, um, bumped it up into the mid sixties, uh, ramped it up for, uh, for, uh, diacetyl rest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I believe that the caramel is from the caramunic and is not diacetyl, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's one person's opinion. That is, that is a fact. Especially if you went all the way up to 60 on it. It's yeah, Yeah. that's, it should take care of that. Uh, do you have anything else, uh, Patrick, for the boys? Any other questions, comments? No, concerns? I don't think so. I've got about half a keg of this left, so I'm going to leave it alone for yeah, another yeah. month and and give it a try, uh, you know, a little later, and we'll yeah. uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. As as for the yeast too, I don't want to bag on dry yeast, but if you can get a, a, a freshly fermenting happy lager yeast, like in a quart jar from a, a local brewery or something that they just happen to have. Uh, that yeah, would be it would be nice. What I've always heard was that the the dry yeast strains are chosen not for the flavors they kick off, but for how well they they survive and rehydrate. Whereas that liquid process, yeast yeah. is, is cho- they're chosen more for the flavor. So my assumption with that is always going to be you're going to get less flavor with dry yeast than with liquid yeast. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, that's what I've heard. From I would try this people. recipe with the liquid yeast and a yeah. big starter yeah. at least, if yeah. you, can, you know. Or, or brewery. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's what you were going to do Definitely. anyways, yeah. <laughs> Patrick. And then, yeah, you know, my, you so, my, so my go-to is usually liquid yeast. It's just, you know, where, yeah. <laughs> where we're at now, shelf yeah. stability kind of wins out. So yeah, for sure. Yep. And this, and this is a good opportunity if you're wanting to brew more lagers, you know, it's not best practice, but I've done it when doing big beers and lagers brew a Hellas, essentially making a five gallon mm-hmm. starter, uh, drink of keg, you know, rack off that Hellas you're going to drink uh, and then kind of gently pour out the, a lot of the liquid, you're going to have a big old yeast cake at the bottom and do that like the day that you're, the day of or the day before you're brewing, and then just rack that wort right on top of that giant five-liter or five-gallon starter. Uh, and a beer like this, I don't know, especially if you can kind of uh, taste a little bit of the beer, the lighter beer that you're taking off, even pre-carbonated, you'll know if there's anything wrong with it or if it's if that yeast is good and if you like it it'll probably be fine and it'll give you those same type of good flavors with the bigger beer you're pitching on top. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right, Patrick. Well, we'll let you split. <clears throat> cool. Thanks yeah. guys. I appreciate it. Thanks man. Thanks Patrick. Thanks Stay warm. All the beers. Yep. Send us some more beer yep. someday. If you yeah. get, get something else you want to taste. Will do. Take all care. Right. Cheers. Bye, yeah. Take care. Happy new year. All right. We're Thanks. going to take a quick break. Everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew. We're going to be right back with a commercial calibration beer. It is Anchor Christmas, and I'm pretty excited about this uh, because Anchor Christmas is it's actually pretty good this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, know, I like it. Anyway, uh, hang on, Doctor Homebrew, we'll be right back. Ma'am, I'll need to take your top off for this examination. Oh, Doctor. 
Hey, thanks for sticking around, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew, and uh, we're going to be hitting up our infamous commercial calibration segment that everybody looks forward to. Um, I mean, you know, mainly just me because then I get an excuse to drink beer. Um, but uh, right now we're going to be tasting Anchor Christmas from this year, uh, 2020. And uh, if you if you never had an Anchor Christmas beer because you're one of these people who goes like, I don't like spice beers. They're so mm. gross. Like, shut up. Grow mm. up a little bit. Pick up some Anchor Christmas. You might not like it still, but at least you're trying because it does sort of change every year. Um, but I thought this would be a good, uh, uh, you know, a good commercial calibration. What? What style guideline is this? What 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 entry number is this? Well, it's a it's a winter seasonal. It's but yeah, they they call it a winter warmer. You know, the base style. It's a spiced winter warmer. Okay. Uh, so yeah, but you would judge it. Uh, what is that category? You can find that. <laughs> They've definitely changed it from a few years ago because it used to be much more of a lighter colored beer, a much more heavily spiced. And as their website says, this is the darkest it's ever been. And it's also the most alcoholic. This is a 7% ABV. And they say it's never been this high. Wow. What are they doing over there, man? That is really dark. I've never noticed this. First of all, I've, kudos to you for going to a website. I've never done that before. I don't know, I don't know what that's about. Um, I would never have known. Yeah, because usually there's like ruby highlights, I think, in, in this yeah. beer. But uh, 7%. For the 46th time they've released it. They've yeah. been doing it since yeah. 1975. First and time the, they put this. The wow. malt hops and dry hops are top secret, and they do say that the recipe is uh, heavily guarded and confidential. <laughs> yeah, I well, saw that part too. I have it here. I'll, I went to I'll a website you. as well. <laughs> you have the you recipe? probably went to the awesome. same one. I wish I did, man. Various mm, pine needle yeah, extracts. This, this is substantially dark. It's usually more of a reddish color. Yeah. So this is a bit of a departure from previous iterations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Brian Cooper, why don't you go ahead and uh, relieve Brian Shar of his going first duties? Oh, and, thank uh, God. You know. Yeah. So a lot of times in a winter seasonal beer, what you want is something that that reminds you of holiday baked goods. And uh, this one does like it comes across as like a, you know, like a gingerbread cookie kind of a thing, like a little kind of a nutmeggy kind of uh, gingery spice quality to it. And the the base beer, there's some some dark malt coming through, but it's not super, it's not roasty. It's it's um, kind of you know, uh, just a, a rich uh, kind of dark chocolatey malt kind of flavor. Or aroma so far. I haven't tasted it yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the you get a little alcohol for sure in the nose on this one. It's it's not wimpy. It comes alongside that spice, and there's a nice balance there. Um, you can get kind of a. Um, you should probably not drink this super cold, and I, I might not have let it warm up enough. But I'm already getting a little bit of a molasses-like kind of note in the in the nose. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a very good like baked good quality and it's not a spice bomb at at all it's uh just slightly spicy um and yeah if you're you know it's super ginger fanatic and you make your gingerbread cookies with twice the amount of ginger three times that everybody else does you're you know not everybody's gonna like those cookies (laughs) so you know and i don't think they're trying to please the masses here with it being too lightly spiced it's uh it's just uh, trying to find that balance between the base style. Yeah, it is a weird beer because not everybody likes spiced beers, but a lot of people buy Anchor Christmas. It's sort of like 
I don't know, what else do you feel forced to buy? Mistletoe or, mm. you know, eggnog or whatever, right? It's one of those things like, well, I, I got to pick this up, my one six-pack a year. Most people I know who drink this, it's like, yeah, I get it that one time, and that's that's about mm. it. I'd love to see sales numbers on these from year to year. Yeah. Um, and then in the flavor, I'm getting it's it's got kind of a leathery, um, like a, a more vanilla, some vanillins coming in, like a wood-like character. And I don't know if they they do some wood aging on this, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. It's got a little bit of it, it comes, some of it could be, you know, some elements of the spice coming through as well. A little bit of a uh, a, uh, a, a spice phenolic kind of grabbing your tongue and in the mouthfeel, uh, giving that kind of leathery. Uh, feeling that you would get from a wood aged beer, but um, it's pleasant. It's not too sweet. It's it's just it's dry enough that the the spice that is there comes out cleanly. Um, this is another one like the double bock we just tasted. That if you let it age, it's going to taste a lot different. Yeah, and uh, you know you could do save save some of these beers and do a vertical year after year. Um, and try to you know uh, they're, they're, it's not always the same recipe of course but uh, you see what they they how well they taste over over the years I've got a buddy down the street who has actually a library of these things in his freaking door fridge door he's just he's got from some the, the very earliest ones I think he's 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 offered to let us taste through that one time and I and, and now that we got this I'd like to do that take him up on that when things yeah. open up again for sure me too I would love to do that as well We'll do so, a live remote yeah. broadcast from his house. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, did we ever figure out what category this was? I, it would be a 30B. A, 30B. Uh, winter, yeah. Uh, or Sorry, 30C, winter 30 seasonal C. beer. Okay. Um, yeah, because the 30s are the uh, the spiced beers. So 30A is just the, the spice or vegetable. 30B is autumn seasonal beer, like your pumpkin spice beers. And then, then 30C is winter um, yeah, so this one doesn't. <laughs> it's not a pumpkin spice latte or, or, or beer. Yeah, it's well, a, it's yeah, interesting. Definitely a winter oriented beer. In appearance, smooth. That's here, seven percent. In nice appearance, it says uh, you know, um, very uh, medium amber to very dark brown. Darker versions are more common, but this is darker than very dark brown. Mm. Yeah, but it's nice because it doesn't taste like a porter. The the rich dark malts that they put in here, yeah, are just coming across as like what I think of as a winter warmer, like the English style of kind of, uh, you know, you can have uh, some molasses like character and some, uh, you know, some chocolatiness, but not rich and biting chocolate at all. Um, toffee and uh, nutty. It's um, yeah, it's got a mix of a lot of different things, but it's not. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a porter or a stout at all. No, uh, no, no. Yeah, nice, nice warmer. And you're talking the aroma. You know, they say um, anything that suggests the holiday season is yeah. is appropriate. So, mulling so, spices, gingerbread, Christmas pudding. Yeah. Disco parties, you know. Uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to Studio Fifty Four when this is all this over. Brian? Beer has glitter in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, it seems like a wide sorry, open category for that. Basically, just it, it a, is. a dark alcoholic malty beer with whatever you want in it, as long as it's reined in properly. Yep. But you know, you mentioned uh, molasses, and yeah, as the beer is warming up, it's sort of like too much molasses for me the molasses is and i don't know if it's because you mentioned it or not but it's sort of just coating the tongue 
Yeah, it is richly. Uh, it's got that kind of not burnt sugar, but that darkened sugar syrup kind of quality to it. It almost and tastes not, like it yeah. almost tastes like uh, what was that? The coloring um, additive that was going around Sinmar. Sinmar, uh, yeah. yeah, and it was supposed to like not have any flavor, but give you color for things like um, you know the dark lager or whatever. But if you add too much of it, it sort of does taste like concentrated astringency. And this is sort of it's just, that's the flavor that I'm getting. So I wonder if they use Cinnamar in this. I wonder. Yeah, this is or how some, I'm. This is how I'm leaping sugars. to conclusions. Yeah, I really need to be part of QAnon, man, because I really I just jumped mm. to all these conclusions. Well, it, it, this has a flavor, so it must be this thing, and you, nobody mm. can tell me different. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's gonna it's gonna morph over time and become a little more of the toffee like edge than than that rich molasses that it is up front now. So that might be you know. Intentional. Yeah. That, I'm sure it is intentional with <laughs> the recipe, but it, it's uh, it's not unpleasant, and it's not like a, a Belgian quad-like character. It's just it's in that English vein, the the molasses treacle kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I wonder if this beer. I wonder if they make this beer to sort of find that line between between like the casual beer drinker and the weird ass beer nerds like us. Because you don't want to be too offensive for the casual beer drinker, but you want to give some sort of like flavors for you know for the beer nerds who are going to age this. There's a lot of questions I have about this beer. Yeah, if if you can drink this, if you're just a casual beer uh, partaker that's not like a beer judge like us, and you just, you get this beer and you drink it, and uh, you know maybe the most special beer you've ever had before this was a Guinness, you know, mm-hmm. and you enjoy this beer, you can you have some appreciation. You might have, have potential. We can tell yeah. you how to become a beer judge. If you, you know, if you do want to do that, but, uh, uh, all right. So, uh, Brian Shard, do you agree with everything that Brian Cooper's saying? Uh, of course, of course. I love it. Uh, it's my favorite. Yeah. This wood character at all. I get tannin, but I'm not sure that I get oak tannin. I think it's maybe more from the spices because it's maybe more drying. It's a little bit different tannin character. And there are some herbs that are spices that are like that that will just kind of be on your tongue that way. And I think, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, about accessibility, I think Anchor a few years ago uh, definitely changed this to be more accessible to be drank early on. So I think early early on in this, uh, up through uh, probably even 2010, early 2010s, this beer was so spiced, so heavily spiced, you almost had to age it for five, six years just to have it be what it was supposed to be. And aside from hardcore beer geeks like us, regular people aren't going to don't have a place to store. They're not going to be interested in storing beer for six years <laughs> no, to, right. to, to see the, the brewer's vision or something. Uh, so uh, what's interesting, there's the mystery about this beer. It, on the, I was kind of joking about it earlier, but it is, all, it is kind of interesting. Uh, there used to be around uh, the, the Bay Area anyway, this this theory that the tree that was on the label, there's always a different tree on the label every year, that something, uh, the species of tree, there was going to be something associated with that. The, the wood or the fruit or the nuts or something were part of the spice that was going, going in there. Huh. And that was, that's nonsense, of course. Are you but crying, still, Brian? It's fun right? to think about. Yeah. The three graces yeah, this is one. this one. Yeah, the three graces. 
And then it says some Latin bullshit, which, you know, I'm not trying to read some Harry Potter crap, dude. Come on. Uh, um, all right. But, yeah, so, in, but in general, I, I agree with Brian. The aroma, yeah. I definitely get some, some uh, like pine, spruce, not overwhelming, but I get like hints of that. I'm, I'm guessing that this is an American brown as a base style, but not as highly hopped. Uh, because the American brown shouldn't be roasty toasty. It should be should have some chocolate character, uh, some brown ale character, but it's it's not uh, it's not a big roasty hop or a big roasty toasty bomb. And th- this is not. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's like a base work for this. I mean, it's yeah, possible. I, that reminds, reminds me a little bit of beers like the uh, snowcap ale that, that Pyramid used to make. That was a to me just a winter warmer. Yeah, and that one was around eight yeah. percent, so it was a little sweeter and a little more syrupy. The only thing I would say that I, I would improve maybe on this would be to let a little more sweetness come through, and it's going to play off the spice, and that that molasses is going to be as sharp and harsh up front if you if you don't want to age it. But it's not. Yeah, it's not harsh beer. It's still fairly smooth right no. out of the bottle. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely not harsh beer, but it does have edges on it. Um, you know the, yeah. the the tannin. I think either like you were saying, uh, sharp from the from the spices, or maybe it's some intentionality. I don't know, but that pokes with the molasses, and it doesn't really jive well. I don't yeah. like that that heavy molasses part. Um, I don't know what that is. I mean, I'm sure it's some combination of malts, and and not to say that the anchor team doesn't know what they're doing, but because to me this is obviously intentional. I I just I don't think if if I was judging this beer as a 30C. I don't know because we're talking, you know, mouthfeel body is uh, generally medium to full. Certain malty chewiness is often present. Moderately low to moderately high carbonation is typical. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, generally medium to full and certain malty chewiness. Is it malty? Is it a malty chewiness or is it molasses? Is it like a dried molasses finish? I'd say it's malty, but it's not full. It's maybe medium body. Yeah. I think they, if they ramp this up to eight percent, I mean they, they'd have have to some considerations to you know some trade offs to make because not everybody's going to want to buy that eight percent six pack to to sip in the you know well, as a matter yeah. of course yeah but and, and it would I, probably be a better beer to me so a little sweeter a little yeah little yeah more for sure to it but that's never that's never anchor Christmas and I think that's part of the yeah. the 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 reason why we chose this beer because it is very hard to categorize. Because it's yeah. sort of like it's its own thing, and you know, as homebrew judges, we sort of we need to categorize stuff. Like that's what we have to do. I have to tag this as a certain thing, but it doesn't really fit in because it's just I don't know. It's not necessarily all of these things, but it's still a good beer. But it still needs yeah. some work, and it, I don't know, man. Check out the head and the legs on this thing. Even you know, twenty minutes after pouring it, fifteen twenty minutes. It's, I mean, I swirled it to be sure, but yeah. Uh, do you guys get cardamom in the flavor? Not at a high level, but you get cardamom. You, you mean you? Now that you say it, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're identifying the thing I'm I'm talking about. It's like evergreen um, with the tannin, which yeah. for me was like, oh, that's sort of like oak, but yeah. maybe it's it is more like cardamom. Yeah, maybe like a wood woody kind of spice in there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And this is a good that. example, Jason, of exactly what I always talk about on the show: is that taste is such a malleable and suggestible thing. That you can be drinking something, you could be, could be in, drinking anything, and your wife, or your buddy's like, "Hey, this tastes like blank," and all of a sudden, that's all you can taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the most annoying thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up here with this guy. Uh, we talked about mouthfeel. Did we cover flavor at all? I think we pretty much hit that on the head, huh? Yeah. 
I, I agree with Brian uh, mostly. And I was just kind of uh, with the head, I was just impressed with the fact that this beer has a really stable, really long lasting low head. Yeah. yeah. And it's a rich color too. The head is, is pretty dark. Uh, and usually you know, spices, like, yeah, spices will kill the head a lot of the time, and it really didn't on this. Do you think it's yeah. balanced? Is it a balanced beer? I think the balance between the spice and the oh. and and the base style is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the balance between the with the dryness and playing off the the, sh- the dark sugar kind of character to it is less balanced. Yeah. So there's there's different angles you can go with. It's it's multidimensional the balance of the beer. So. Uh, yeah, spice to beer is fine, but um, I think, you know, and, and just the fact that they're taking it a little stronger, you know, maybe they're going different direction with, with the beer and heading towards something for next year that we'll get to taste. And yeah. we should just make a tradition to do this every December. I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. Yeah, uh, for that. All right, well, let's grade it. Let's give it a score. Judging it as a classic example of the style, which it is. It's the number one. It's the very first, and I'm sure there's no weight to it, like uh, mm. commercial examples. Of well, the they alphabetize by brewery, so it's okay. Anchored, well, there so you go. Yeah, mm. but it is. It's, it's a classic example of the style, obviously. So, uh, what would we what would we uh, judge this as? As a 30 C, a winter seasonal beer. I think with a little more age, this would probably get into the lower 40s for me. But right now, it's it's upper 30s. I would say yeah, 35, I, I would 36. say right now this is upper 30s for me, which is pretty good. You know, I would... Give me a number, I, cowards. I Give me a number, cowards. Don't be afraid. 30, Give me a number. 38. 38. Brian 38. Cooper? 38. I would say 36. I'm not afraid. I don't care. Yeah, I'm not afraid either. Yeah. And I want to thank, thank Cooper for uh, muling a couple of bottles up to me yesterday yeah. because... They didn't make a lot this year. I called the good beer store in Lafayette, and mm. they're like, no, they didn't make have a big run of this beer this year, and we sold out yeah. a while back. And Cooper, <laughs> thankfully, had like a six-pack, and he, I appreciate you it. bringing it over, man. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that was Brian nice Cooper had this bottle of beer in his ass for yeah. four <laughs> years. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I would uh, give it a 36 because it is, it, it is a little too bitter. It's a little too sharp. It's a little too... I don't know. It's not. Yeah. It's not really great. With some age, it's, it's going to round out a little bit better. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's sure. weird. I've seen. I've seen uh, JP face to face a couple months ago, and I brought you some beers, and then and now now I've seen Brian face to face, and he was not wearing a mask. Oh, Brian well, I, I masked, Char. My mask was in my car, and we did stay separated <laughs> like fifteen feet. Oh, uh, I would. I honestly would have got back in the car and drove away. You were like you were like six. Yeah, but you were a floor <laughs> above me, so all all like, of your COVID was coming raining down yeah. on me. <laughs> Um, I was I was deli- I was coughing and hacking and <laughs> Brian hey Cooper uh, oh, and man. just making sure all what my spit turd. came down off the balcony. Uh, now we, Brian we Brian very kindly set it down at the bottom of the stairs away from me. We chatted at a distance. What an absolute turd you are! We were responsible adults. Yeah, good. We sh- we shouldn't joke. I I felt very safe. I'm not. Yes, I'm and not I, I keep I keep my masks in the car because that's where I'm going to use them. I don't want to leave it in the house because I'll forget. So I put it in the car. Yeah. So I got like three masks in my car. What do you do when someone knocks at the door? What's that? What do you do when someone knocks at the door? No one knocks at my door. Okay. (laughs) Now, Brian can explain. I just, I'm on a hill, on a hill, and I'm in an apartment over a garage, and it's not like people are coming. You're the Fonz. People are delivering shit. They just like leave it on the porch. Yeah. You're the Fonz of the beer judge world. 
Hey, yeah. yeah, actually, I am. I am the Fonzie of beer judging. That's exactly right. Yeah, sure. What are the, the I, I jumped I jumped the shark about uh, three years ago. Yeah, uh, let's take a what quick the, break. Let's take a yeah. quick break, everybody. We'll become right back. We'll become right back on the good talking <laughs> show for Doctor Beer's Homes. We'll be back. Good times. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the Twenty First Amendment Brewery, located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew. We're just doing a quick wrap-up here, making fun of Brian Schar, and, uh, because that's, Why that's you? the best thing to do. We're, we're out of beer yeah. to judge. The next thing to do is <laughs> poke Brian Schar in the head with a sharp stick. I'm going to send some Jehovah's Witnesses to your door, and just so we can, and then we'll film it secretly and see how you react to that situation. Uh, we yeah, replaced his normal Sunday missionaries with Jehovah's <laughs> Witness. Let's watch. <laughs> what are they doing this year? I wonder. Yeah, it's I don't know. I do They're like probably this wearing masks Christmas, and man. stepping back five feet from the door and handing yeah. maybe rubber yeah. band in the watch. I had a watchtower they... like attached to my door. Yeah, that's oh. cool. You know, whatever. That's. They still got to do their their thing and 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 get the word out. Yeah, that's cool, <laughs> man. People, leave- but we get the word out about beer, and and uh, right. the word is if you want to send beer to us, email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's Brian yep. with an I at thebrewingnetwork.com, and and send us your beer because we need it. We're looking but for a please. few good beers. Well, yeah, you know what? And someone was like, "Oh, how do I send my bracket or whatever?" Brian at the Brewing Network. We will literally judge anything that you send. Wine, kombucha. Fucking hard tea, seltzer, whatever. Rooster you let sit in your wort uh, and wild ferment. Whatever you want. 
Yeah. Anything. We will literally judge anything. That's where we are. Um, you know, that's that's how we uh, that's how we do it. I'm yeah. just I'm looking through the chat right now because we do have an active chat today, and it's very nice. Oh, cool. It's mainly Blobber. Blobber resurfaced. Hey, Blobber, how are yeah. you, man? What's up? We have uh. chat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, on Facebook, man. Okay. What are you gonna do? Yeah. We have like we have 19 viewers on Facebook right now, and I oh. thank every one of you guys for well, and and ladies. I mean, I mean that's that in a funny because way once we for started tuning in and watching this. Once we started, we had 31. So I know. What are you gonna I do? I drove them all. All right, let's get out of here, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Appreciate it. If you are uh, watching live, give us if under five minutes to start the next show, and uh, and we'll be right back. We're going to be doing uh, Cooper. What are we doing? You're my producer. What what are we doing for this next one? Man, um, we've got some great stuff coming up. We've it's the all cider episode. We're going to do it. we're we're going to judge a cider, and we're going to talk about ciders with a. Uh, a nationally uh, a ranked cider judge, uh, a good friend of ours named Pavel. So uh, cool. looking forward to that. All right. Brian, would you say we have a record number of entries in cider on this show? <laughs> on our next show? Yeah. yeah. That'll yeah. be. Uh, when is yes. the last time we've had a cider? That's, it's been a while, man. Yeah. Yeah. Years. Well, and that, this feels right for winter, too. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned. Flip to the next episode if you're just going through the podcasts here. And I'm just going to say, well, everybody. <clears throat> That was the, probably the funniest thing I've ever been a part of in my entire life. <laughs> you know that story, Cooper? Were you What's at the that? NHC? When someone, I think it was poor Janice Gross years ago. Yeah, it was Janice we, Gross. We got to this, we got to the, they got to the cider category and she goes, oh, ciders. And we have a record number of entries in cider. And I uh, literally, <laughs> like the room was quiet. I go. <laughs> and then the table, and then it sort of spread. And then I tell her at the table and then it sort of spread out to the room. I swear to God, I swear to God. <laughs> It was like that scene uh, in uh, Stand By Me with the, the pie-eating contest. Uh, and then he started throwing up, and then he started throwing up, and it was just this thing. It was it was uh, it made me feel really or like good. Yeah, it was maybe your crowning achievement, JP. I really a do slow think clap so. And oh man! Joins in. Yeah. And then next year, and the year after that, I kept waiting for it, but it was uh, no one ever said anything. So I think I think they knew. I think it was very awkward. I feel sort of bad. Anyway, we're gonna get out of here, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com, and he might send you feet pics. You never know. I might send you a long email back too. Mike.